This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. TuneIn is the audio platform with something for everyone. News. In order to secure convictions in a court of law, it is essential that we conclusively. Sports. The clock at four. Donchich. The step back three. You bet. Music. You said my world on even podcasts. Whatever you love, hear it right here on TuneIn. Go to TuneIn.com or download the TuneIn app to start listening. A Saturday evening get-together here on CBS Sports Radio. Jody Mack jumping into Carrington Harrison Harrison shift. He'll be doing mine for me coming up a couple hours down the road. But I'm in for him right now on CBS Sports Radio, live in the Rocket Mortgage Studios. Whether you want to buy a home or refinance your current home, Rocket Mortgage can help get you there for home loan solutions that fit your life. Rocket can. All right, uh, we've been heavy on uh, baseball and college football the first couple hours, but we're getting that much closer to week five in the National Football League. Pretty good sled. I want to touch uh, uh, sked. I want to touch on a couple of games and a couple of issues around the league. One of the best in the business who cover it day in and day out. He does so for fan sided, and his podcast Stacking the Box is a must for all NFL fans. Download it now. Uh, Matt Verderam joins me here on CBS Sports Radio. How are you, MB? I'm good, Jody. How you doing? Very good. Um, a little aside before we get into this week and a couple of NFL topics. I uh, had you on my uh, Eagles uh, YouTube show last week before they played the Chiefs. And both you and I agreed that the Chiefs were probably going to hang a 40-burger on the Eagles. And they did just that. By rushing for 200 yards, are the Chiefs really that good running the football? Or are the Eagles that bad at stopping the run? I think it's a little bit of both, but like, you know, the Eagles did something that a lot of teams have been doing to the Chiefs the last year and a half, and it's just playing two safeties really, really far off the line of scrimmage and daring Kansas City to run. Last year, they couldn't do it. Their offensive line, especially the interior, was terrible. This year, it's a polar opposite. The interior, their offensive line is great, and they've been more willing to run the ball, I think, because of it. And so, like, if, if you're going to back up against Kansas City, They'll run the ball, which is somewhat of a new development. Last year, they just kept forcing the ball down the field. Uh, this year, I think they're more willing to go, all right, fine, we'll take six yards of carry. They uh, ran it right down their throats, like you read about last week. And I, I think that some of it was scheme and the way that yeah. they laid it out, but also the inability to tackle is a problem with the Philadelphia Eagles. But the Chiefs did look like they bounced right back on offense after uh, losing a couple of back-to-back games. All right. Um, I had a caller ask me this question uh, in the first hour of the show, and I, I read the story, but I don't know many of the details. This ongoing lawsuit between the city of St. Louis and the NFL for uh, unfairly moving the Rams back out to Los Angeles. Uh, the city of St. Louis is suing the entire National Football League, which means the 32 owners of the teams. And one side story is that they are threatening to reveal all financial aspects of the lot, a lot of the team owners, including Jerry Jones of the Cowboys, who was a major mover and shaker in the move, even though it wasn't his team, because he's involved in all the major financial decisions the NFL make. 
This is right. more than a nuisance lawsuit. It sounds to me like this is getting close to getting ugly, and it may get to the courts. And if it does, could the NFL have some of its dirty laundry aired? It could. Uh, you know, the interesting thing about this, and I won't pretend to know every little detail of this because during the season, I'm, I'm so zoned on the NFL. You're on, on the, the field. field, right. But, but Dean Lewis has been racking up a lot of wins in this lawsuit to this point. Uh, if you've been following along, and, and I took the post as fast as I want to credit, they've done a really nice job. Um, the NFL is getting taken to the woodshed in this lawsuit. And so it appears like the NFL is going to have to either make a lot of concessions and make nice nights here, and hopefully some of this goes away if they can basically buy the way out of trouble. Or this could go to court. If it does, it looks like St. Louis is in really good shape. Now, does that mean the Rams are all back to St. Louis? No, of course not. But – it could set up a situation where the goes, uh, what do we have to do to make this thing go away? I mean, what, what is it going to take? And who knows? Maybe Sam Lewis says we want a third bite at that apple? You know, I interviewed Isaac Bruce that last week, and he actually mentioned that he'd have interest in getting involved if they did something like that. So who knows? We'll see. But the NFL is certainly not happy with the way things have gone so far in this, uh, this lawsuit. All right, let's take it back onto the field. The Sunday night game last night was the Bucks and the Patriots, the return of Tom Brady to Boston. I thought it was well uh, done and broadcasted by NBC. I thought they did a nice job. The storyline played itself out. Game hanging in the balance. Mac Jones getting them close enough for a field goal attempt late that couldn't win the game. And sure enough, clanks off the upright, so Brady gets to walk away a victor. Uh, I heard a lot of after the game, hey, it's a moral victory for the the Tampa Bay, uh, for the Pats, that they could have gotten blown out, that they kept Brady under wraps, and they didn't stop him, but they did control him, and they did uh, not allow them to uh, him to blow them out. Can the Patriots actually make that claim with that many Super Bowl rings? Hey, we just about lost. That's a good effort out of our team. You know, I think they actually can make the claim, but that kind okay. of speed, well, it, it, because it's not very very good news at all if you're a New England Patriots fan. You can make the claim because you're not that good. That's the problem. But that team at this point is so limited offensively. And, I, and, and, hey, Mac Jones, of all the rookie quarterbacks, by far been the best. But that's kind of by default at this point, isn't it? I mean, Fields has been – Really, really awful in week three, you know, mostly, I think, because the Bears didn't bother to support him at all. And then week four was okay. Uh, you know, Wilson and Lawrence have obviously really struggled throughout a lot of the year. But you look at that team. I mean, who's their best weapon on offense? Who is the best weapon? Is it is it Hunter Henry, Jonu Smith? So, yeah, if you're the Pats with that current roster, you feel, hey, we hung in there. But that's a far cry from where they've been for the last 20 years. All right. And you need to explain a Patriot move to me this week. Um, They decided to part ways with their all-pro cornerback, who is one of the best defensive players in the league, has been for a long period of time, and Stephon Gilmore. They tried to renegotiate a deal, just couldn't find a happy medium. So rather than have him come back off the pup list, they traded him ahead of time but not before yep. they put him to waivers. So they knew he was off the team. The question was, could they get something for him? They ended up getting a sixth-round pick from Carolina. Okay, it's not that type of year. You don't think you're going to make the playoffs. You're moving on. You're giving your young quarterback a chance to play. I get it. Then they signed Jamie Collins 
For the third time, he's going back to New England, a 32-year-old linebacker, who I think has got a little left in the tank. I actually think he can play still. I'm surprised other teams didn't try and jump on Jamie Collins. Well, which is it? Do they think they can make the playoffs? Do they not think they can make the playoffs? Because those two things kind of uh, are at crossroads as far as I'm concerned. Belichick is kind of like his protege in Bill Parcells, right? Like, if you go and look at Bill Parcells, and he went from the Giants to the Pats to the Jets, there are certain guys that just followed him everywhere. You you knew it was almost like no matter what the contract situation was, he was going to go there. There are guys like a a Pepper Johnson, a David Meggett, uh, you know, Keith Byers or someone who – it just always seemed like he would always – you know, at least at a couple of those stops, there'd be guys there – I think Jamie Collins is just a guy that Belichick maybe regretted leaving the first time. He brought it back. But I don't understand. Look, Belichick, the coach, is one of the greatest coaches of all time. No reasonable to ever argue that. Belichick, the general manager, leaves a lot to be desired. He's not been a great general manager. I mean, really, if you look at them, yes, obviously they've had some great players. But he also does things that you look at that and go, all right, with Gilmore, sure, you're going to trade him. You're not going to resign him after you're fine. But you traded him for a 2023 sixth-round pick. Like, it's nothing. Why wouldn't you have just let him come off pop? And if he plays great for two or three weeks, maybe you could have gotten more for him. Right. And, and if you couldn't, have fine. And just trade him that. I, I don't know. I think they're in this weird spot where I think Belichick's 70 years old and he wants to compete, but they're just not good enough. I mean, that team's not a playoff team. No, they're not. They probably aren't. Um, so, I again, I, I don't quite understand it. All right. I do want to get your take on this. Uh, he will be the coach of one of the starting rookie quarterbacks in the league. There have been three of them that have started every week, Lawrence Wilson and uh, Mac Jones. This week, Ed Fields, who started last week but now is anointed as the quarterback going forward, and Trey Lance fills in for Jimmy G, who got hurt in last week's game. Played He, he played exactly the way he played uh, week one when they had a couple of plays ready to uh, insert him for and try and do the shuttling quarterback thing. Made some yep. big plays, outstanding plays. Made some obvious rookie guffaws and mistakes. Five starting quarterbacks, and if you had Davis Mills, that's six rookie <laughs> starting quarterbacks in the NFL was this the year for the turnover? It's because the teams needed it. These guys are that good. How do you have week five, six rookie starters at the QB position in the NFL? Well, I don't think it's because these guys have been that good. I mean, look, Jacksonville and the Jets had basically no choice. They had nobody else. Um, and of all of them, Lawrence is definitely the guy who you would have penciled in at the beginning of the year. Today. He's got to play. I We've talked about it. I thought the Jets were nuts. Not because they drafted Zach Wilson, but because they didn't put anybody around him. You know, first-year coordinator, first-year coach. Nobody was ever throwing a pass on the depth chart behind him. I mean, he's just begging for the kid to fail. You're giving him no infrastructure whatsoever. And so far, it's been a really rough go. Um, the Bears, that is malpractice to the hill. You couldn't find a way to screw that quarterback situation up more than what the Bears have done. First, it's Dalton. Then it's Fields, but it's only because Dalton's hurt. Then it's, well... We don't know who we're going to play. It could be three different guys. It's a game-time decision. And I think finally, I think the Bears front office basically got involved. It was like, look, you're playing Justin Fields. It's what's happening. And they finally acquiesced and went that way. I don't know that for a fact, but it seems to be the way. Um, and now with Lance, look, he's got to play because Garoppolo's hurt. Garoppolo's not been great anyway. And they, so they're moving toward the future. But, I think, you know, look, he's been 
talented, but raw. None of these rookie quarterbacks really have been spectacular. I mean, there's certainly been glimpses, but I don't think you can look at any of them and say, wow, you know, that guy looks great. You know, like a Herbert did last year coming in out of nowhere and being great immediately. Uh, there hasn't been that. And, and I, don't, I don't anticipate that there will be here anytime in the near future with these guys. Matt Broderick, I'm a fan-sided, their lead NFL guy, our guest here on CBS Sports Radio. All right, want to jump around the league with you. A couple of games, a couple of individual teams. The game is important, but I want to get your feel on the team just overall, maybe even more so. The Dolphins are going to get beat by the Buccaneers tomorrow. But they're 1-3. and three. Tua Tungabaloa won the first week up in New England. They've dropped three straight games since he's been hurt. Is it that Jacoby Brissett isn't a decent backup quarterback? Do they miss Tua really that badly? I thought the Dolphins had a team were a team that could uh, compete for a playoff spot. Doesn't look like it at one and three going to one and four against the Bucks tomorrow. Uh, why aren't the Dolphins being competitive? Well, their offensive line might be the worst line in football, and that's that's a failure of the front office. They drafted Austin Jackson the first round a couple of years ago. Drafted the same draft they took Tua in. And he's been awful, awful, like arguably the worst left tackle in football. So that's been a mess. They really have not fixed a lot of positions on the, on the rest of the line either. And so you're left with this, this group that can't block. Brissett is not mobile, so he's getting crushed back there. And, look, he's a guy. And that's fine. He's a backup, but he's a guy. I mean, he's not going to ever really challenge you down the field. It's not what he does. He's very much an extreme game manager. I don't, I don't know, though, that it really has anything to do with Tua getting hurt. I think if Tua was healthy, they'd still be right where they are. I mean, Tua has played a game manager style. Now, he may help a little bit with that offensive line because you can move Mariah's more athletic than percent, but they just have been disappointing. You know, Fuller, as, as he does, he's hurt, so you're dealing with that. Um, and defensively this year, they've just not – they've not been terrible, to be fair to them. They've been pretty bad positions, but it's their offense. They just can't score many points. They've had some opportunities to win games. They could have won in Vegas. They didn't do it. Um, they, they look like they're in for a long year. They look like they're going to be battling New England to get in the second place. And it, but I don't think it matters because I don't think anybody other than Buffalo is going to the playoffs on that division. Fair enough. All right, couple of three and one teams, but they played an easy sked here in the first quarter of the season. Broncos and Panthers are both three and one. Both were three and zero, oh, as a matter of fact, until they lost last week. Broncos without Teddy Bridgewater, so there's an explanation there, and it looks like Bridgewater is going to be good to go tomorrow against the Steelers. Panthers get the Eagles, who we saw last week can't stop the run to save their life, but they might actually get a little lucky because McCaffrey is far from a given to play for tomorrow's team. Uh, if I tell you one of these teams at four and one, say the Panthers beat the Eagles and the Broncos beat the Steelers. One of them at four and one is winning double digit games, guaranteed to be in a playoff mix, wild card at the least, and the other one's still a below five hundred team and their record is a mirage. Which do you make the playoff contender? Which do you make the mirage? I think Carolina is the better team. I and, and I think Carolina's got a much easier schedule. Who the Panthers schedule? They're not like anybody. I mean they obviously in Tampa a couple times. Their schedule down the stretch is other than Tampa twice and the Bills, I mean it is nobody. It is a whole lot of the Dolphins and the Pats and the Falcons twice and the Saints again. I mean, they just they have a very, very easy path forward. Denver does. And I, you know, I don't know what to make of Denver. I thought they were a fringe playoff team going into the year. I still feel that way. 
But, you know, you beat the Jets, the Jags, and the Giants, which does nothing for me. I don't care that you won those three games. Then you play Baltimore. Baltimore comes into your building, and I get Bridgewater got hurt, but they were hitting plowed in that game even before he got hurt. And then you, know, you start looking at it, and they go to Pittsburgh this weekend. That is a weird game. I have looked at that 18 different ways and can't figure out how I feel about it. I, Denver's better than Pittsburgh, but it's at Pittsburgh. It's an early start. Denver's going cross-country. The Steelers have to win. They're 1-3, and three, and they've lost their first two games at home. I almost feel like this is just one of those throw-the-kitchen-sink-out-of-type games with Pittsburgh where they're going to do everything imaginable to win. Uh, it's a big game. If Denver can win this game, then you get the Raiders next week. Maybe you know, maybe you get rolling again, but this is – this is a big one. Denver's got to win this game. They lose this game, I think all of a sudden it could start getting away from them a little bit. All right. Uh, maybe the most significant injury in the, in the league so far this year came out of the Thursday night affair. Russell Wilson could miss four to eight weeks. Yep. And I know Geno Smith actually came in and made some plays in that game. He wasn't the reason they lost that game. But he's still Geno Smith. And I know Geno Smith from his Jets days. And I do not believe he's a viable NFL quarterback, let alone a guy who's going to be able to lift a team who is in last place in their division to a playoff spot in the best division in football. Are the Seahawks screwed for the season? Yeah. Yes. Um, <laughs> they can't. That's why I have me on for my, my brutal honesty. Yeah, absolutely. They can't, they can't win without Wilson. No, look, and I'm not. First of all, I agree with your assessment, by the way. You know, he looked great for a quarter. That's fine. He's Until proven otherwise, he has been a subpar quarterback in the NFL star career. So you're not going to these games. Like Next week, you get Pittsburgh. Now, Pittsburgh can't score a point, but is Seattle going to be able to score? I don't know. I say, I'll tell you what I do know. Seattle can't stop anybody. So now you get in a situation where they're going to have to score a lot of points. Mean, this is not the old Seahawks where, hey, we're going to give up 17 points. And we can just manufacture 19, 20 points, play a really low-scoring game. They're not built to do that. They're just not. I, this is, this is going to be very difficult for them. If I'm Seattle, my goal for these – let's just say he's out four weeks. It's a short – because if he's out longer than that, you have absolutely no chance. If he's out four weeks, your goal has got to be, hey, we're going to split the game somehow. We're, gonna, we're just going to keep our heads close to the surface, be four and five, we know we're not going to win the division, but the NFC is a weird conference. Like, maybe we can snag a wild card because San Francisco's taking on a ton of water right now. And so, you know, you go, hey, maybe we can get that done. I don't see it. I think, I think for them, they're lucky if they're 3-6 and six when, when Wilson comes back. And while they're capable of a run, in that division, that's going to be tough. I mean, you got to at least think down the stretch. There's a couple games. So, yeah, I, I think that's probably a death knell for them. All right, Matty, last thing, off the field. A couple of coaches had really tough weeks in the National Football League. Yeah. Uh, one in Jacksonville, one in uh, Las Vegas. Uh, Urban Meyer and uh, John Gruden. Uh, Coach Meyer getting his herb on in a uh, bar in <laughs> Ohio when he should have been on the team plane going, going back with his 0-4 Jaguars. Major apology tour thereafter, and the owner apparently is going to give him a chance to rehab himself and the like. I actually thought there was a point uh, earlier this week that I thought Meyer might pay for it with his job. John Gruden gets in trouble for an email he wrote a decade ago that was saved, that was idiotic, and is borderline a uh, fireable offense. If he had done it three days ago, I think the Raiders might have been forced to fire him. But it was a decade ago when he wasn't 
in the National Football League. He was at ESPN. He was doing National Football League games, but he wasn't even an uh, NFL employee at the time. Either one of these guys do enough to get the heave-ho from their organization in your mind? Well, look, we'll start with Meyer because I think this is an easier one to parse. So Meyer, you know, Joe, you've been around the league forever. I've covered it now for, I don't know, the better part of this, well, the last five years or so. I can't, I can't ever think of a time where a coach hasn't flown home with his team unless he was fired on the field or something. Like, I can't – you just you get on a plane and go home. Now, if he wants to go back to Ohio the next day, that's fine. This is the NFL. You take a private jet, you go back. It's no big deal. Um, what he did as far as, like, his indiscretion with this woman who was dancing on him, and like, that's – he and his wife can figure that out. But as, as a team, you know, I think you look at it and just go, how committed is this guy? Like, if you're a player, you're busting your rear end. You're 0-4. You're the butt of every joke. And here's Urban Meyer. It's like he doesn't care. Like that, that's the inference you get. I thought when Shad Khan put in the, in the statement that the team put out that he's got to earn back their trust and respect, that's a hell of a statement to say about your head coach. I mean, that, that to me, pointing at this thing is, is coming off the rails, and he's lucky if he's there by Christmas. So I do think everything that's gone on in Jacksonville is kind of greasing the track for that. With the Raiders, look, the email is indefensible. It's racist. It's stupid. Any adjective you want to put on it. The Raiders have the cover of saying, well, it wasn't while he was here. It was a decade ago. He's changed, whatever, all the same old stuff. Quite honestly, if I were Mark Davis, I'd look at it as the easiest way to get out of $65 million ever. I'd be like, you know what, John? We're firing you with cause. Good luck winning that argument. But I don't think they're going to do that because they're 3-1. and one. How different would this conversation be if they were 1-3? and three? And that may not be moralistically correct, but right. it's the truth, and I think that's where we are. I don't think he'll get fired. I, he might get suspended. I don't think he'll get fired. Right. There's suspension, miss a game, and or a fine, something like right. that. But you're right. I don't think they're going to fire him. Uh, Matt Bernram, if I'm agreeing with you, I'm feeling pretty good about my opinion. Thank you much for sharing yours with us today. I will be talking to you again soon enough. Enjoy a good day in the NFL tomorrow. All right. Take it easy. Thanks a lot. Read him at fansided.com, NFL insider Matt Bernram. Here with us on CBS Sports Radio. All right, Jody Mack coming back with the reopened phone lines. We can get into a couple more of the games. Week five in the NFL. College football night games underway. Texas A&M gets an early field goal against Alabama. They get the ball for the first time. Iowa fans, how about number three and climbing? Well, no, probably not. But you're holding on to number three, guaranteed after their win against Penn State today. Some wild games early on in the day where very little defense was played. Uh, Jerry Palm, college football insider for CBS Sports, is going to join us next hour. But I give you the chance to chime in any football way you want to go. You want to talk about the baseball playoffs, we can. Get aboard my phones, 855-212-4227. Jody Mack with you. In for Harrington, uh, Carrington Harrison, who's in for me a little later here on CBS Sports Radio. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Okay, picture this. 
It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Tune in is the audio platform with something for everyone. News. In order to secure convictions in a court of law, it is essential that we conclusively. Sports. The clock at four. Donchich. The step back three. You bet. Music. You set my world on fire. And even podcasts. Whatever you love, hear it right here. On TuneIn, go to TuneIn.com or download the TuneIn app to start listening.